Good evening and welcome to Dog Talk. I'm Dan Camilleri. And I'm Laura McKillop. We'd like to start by thanking Enduro for their ongoing support in bringing you our weekly Q&A. Tonight we're fortunate enough to be speaking with David and Sarah Lee from the Lee's Working Dogs. Sarah and Dave will be picking who they think has asked the best question of the night and they'll win a bag of Enduro hindy food for working dogs with real kangaroo meat. Hey guys, how are you guys? going? Hey, good day. So, yeah. how's it uh, looking in sunny Victoria down there? Um, it's been, we've had a few wet days actually. Last three days, we've had scuddy types of showers. Um, we had a real wet start to the season, so fair bit of mud getting about there for a while. Um, but yeah, the last mm, say eight days previous, we had. Had some good weather and just enough to dry it out. Yeah, so we can get about in the paddock now anyway. So, so you're telling me you're pretty fit at the moment, mate, by doing a bit of walking? We wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, for people out there that may not uh, know I've heard of you, do you want to just, um, well, obviously we've introduced you, but just tell us a bit about yourselves? Sure. Sarah? Um, so we're dog breeders and trainers, and we also do a bit of livestock contracting in southwest Victoria. So we've taken a few outside dogs for training as well as training our own. Um, we don't sell pups, we sell going dogs. Um, it's been really important to us to make sure they end up in the right homes. So that's why we don't sell pups because you never know what you're going to get. So we make sure they're started and we know exactly what the dog is so we can match them up to their owner and what their needs and requirements are for the job. And you've got a bit of a, an accent there, Sarah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your background? Yes, I'm from England. My parents have a farm over there and I was brought up around dogs, um, cattle and sheep. And I decided when I was about 20 to come out um, to Australia for a holiday. My sister was already out here. And being we love horses too. So um, they already had a job on a cattle station far north Queensland at a place called Laura. So I flew out and met them and we got this yeah, job on a cattle station and Dave happened to be contracted in as a muster there. So Ta -da. <laughs> that's where I met Ta -da. Dave. Here's um, one we prepared earlier. Yeah. <laughs> it was a big eye opener though. Nothing, you know, I was totally not prepared for it. So there was a lot of um, feral bulls up there and... Um, there were so many trees. I was expecting wide open plains, but yeah, there were so many trees and ant mounds that people were falling off. You know, their horses were flipping over, and then I'd see Dave, and he'd be, you know, chasing down a bull on his horse, and he'd fly yeah. off and swing it by the tail, and then trees, and we'd have to go back later and pick them up. So it was a real, real eye opener for me. I wasn't expecting any of that. And coming from england and having a partner that was uh, import myself and had uh was taught proper english um <laughs> when you went to north queensland did you understand the bloody word they said were saying no but they reckon they can understand me and i'm saying how can you not understand me i speak english <laughs> yeah. i didn't have many teeth back then neither so i'd do a bit of spit and so, uh, <laughs> Matt says the same she goes i thought my english was good but when i went to north queensland i couldn't understand a bloody word no, and they will call you Bull or Joe, and you don't know here if they're talking about you or someone called Joe or what's going on. <laughs> and how about the um, the language? 
yeah, so Dave and I had a few instances where I couldn't understand what he was talking about. <laughs> so, but we've uh, we've overcome that now. But yeah, it was a bit tricky to start off with. And, and how about yourself, Dave? Uh, what, what bit of background on yourself, mate? Uh, born in Rocky. Uh, grew up the most me uh, childhood years in southwest Queensland, a little town called St George. Um, yeah. So cut me teeth there, and uh, a drover come through town, um, and with a thousand head of bullocks and a wagonette, and um, yeah. So I didn't get much of an education. I headed out at fourteen and um, went driving. Yeah, so that's sort of that's where it started for me, you know. Um, yeah. So how did you guys end up in Victoria then? Obviously, you met up north, so totally different. So, what's it? It sounds like a scene from that movie Australia. Just here. <laughs> well, there, there was a few of them scenes actually. There, yeah. <laughs> Well, Sorry, done... Laura, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> We've done eight years um, contracting up in Queensland together. And then I said today, um, sick of this heat. And by then we'd had Tommy. So, and Dave was also a horse breaker. So, as well as, <clears throat> you know, mustering cattle, he'd be breaking in horses and stuff like that. And it was getting a bit too hard with the little fella and the heat. So, I said, come on, I'm sick of this. I've done you know, eight years up here, let's go to England for a little bit. So I managed to con him over to England for six months. So we went over there and had a look at dogs and that was a big eye-opener for Dave. He met a few good fellas over there too. And then when we came back, we decided that we we're going to try and, and find a place down south to work on so we could work some sheep and find some different dogs. So um, we started off on a little adventure and we, yeah, we ended up um, at... McBride's at Kingston on a big sheep property there and got into the dog trialing through being there and um, Lucendale was on I think they had um, what was the other one um, oh, but we got into it got into the dog trialing and then there was a dog trial at Eden Hope and we went to it and saw this place for sale so that's how we ended up here yeah wow beautiful and just like <laughs> that. So how was England an eye-opener for you, Dave? Or was it? Um, you know, I spent a fair bit of time being a cowboy and breaking in horses and doing living that sort of life. I beat my body up a little bit. Um, I, um, I was mustering one day with this old fellow and he just poke along and his dog's done everything. And I thought to myself, um, look, this looks like a good guy. I'll get it and get a few dogs so I can ride some young horses, send the dogs and then catch up to the mob and I can keep doing my thing. So, um, so it originally started from there. I had hunting dogs, pig dogs and like bull catching dogs and all them type of dogs. Um, so it's went from there to, yeah, we went and done a couple of schools in Queensland prior to going over to England. And and that was a light bulb moment for me as a handler. Um, I thought, like, there's just so much to learn. And I just got on the on the learning train and so excited to, you know, that's the only 
how Sarah got me over too. We were all excited about dog training and you get to go do all these good things and it all sounded good at the time, you know. Um, but yeah, we got on the learner train, went over and um, went and had a look at, look at a few dogs and doing the whole geo. So, um, so is really, I didn't realise myself and I never categorised myself as I was stereotyped and I was, I, you know, um, so going over there just sort of helped me know it's all right to train a different sort of dog just because it's not doing what you wanted. You could have a lighter dog or a wider dog. You could just put some other training on and stuff. So, um, yeah, it, it was a good experience for me, really. Um, and, yeah, that was a transition between this, the rough cattle dog. Like, we used to do a lot of coaching mustering and stuff like that. Um, so you ride your horses like you stole them. And the dogs just had to go along, you know, they'll block them buggers up and get at them type of a deal. So, um, you know, then to go on over there and working really like three sheep dogs and seeing how they're going, like, you know, in the back of my mind, because I was so stereotyped, thinking these dogs would never be any good in Australia. Yeah. They're not going to be able to move nothing, you know. But so, yeah, look, it, it got me on a bit of a journey of learning, you know, which, which we're still on, really. So... Is that when, like, did that broaden your mind then or prior to going, did you, were you a bit more open-minded? Um, when you thought well, about, like, when you're going, you I, go, holy shit, like, we're going to be in a different environment, different dogs. Yeah. Look, I think leading up from just having um, work dogs and not, like, you know, not trolling because the people I hung around, um, troll dogs are no good. You know, they're just, they're a waste of time. Don't waste your time with them. You know, only work dogs and all that. But what I've learned over the years is um, if they could have had a handle on their dogs and could have presented them, they would love to go into local trials, you know. Um, yeah. So it was a bit of, um, yeah, is is getting out of that, getting out of that mindset. You know, the only difference between a dog that, a work dog and a um, trial dog is is how we started, taught to approach his stock nicely and we can position him to where we want, yes, on smaller numbers um, and we can go to bigger numbers later on, but it's how we desensitise them earlier that, you know, that makes a dog to be a work dog and a trial dog. You know, that's what we worked out, you know, so. And when we went to the UK, all our dogs were collies. We, yeah. we had a couple of Kelpies, but they were mainly all collies and we had hard biting collie dogs. So when we went, we were looking at collies, but I think we didn't find anything that fitted, you know, what we wanted to have over here. So yeah. we we're a little bit disappointed. We didn't find what we we're looking for. But at the end of the day, now we've got really into the Kelpies. We sort of found a different way for our dogs and what we were looking for back then we're not looking for now. So a lot's changed since then. We're not mustering um, breeders or feral cattle. We're mustering sheep or most of the cows have seen a dog anyway. So you don't have to worry about, you know, trying to fight them. And, and Sarah, did you have um, like a background around horses yourself? Yeah. So mum and dad used to breed horses. They had dogs. So it's always, you know, brought up around horses, dogs cattle sheep but we definitely didn't use the horses to get the cows in you shake a feed bag and and the cows would come running so it's slightly different 
So how was like Dave's horsemanship skills different to like your upbringing when you started rubbing shoulders? So different. And Dave's one of those people that's like he's a natural horse and dog person. It comes naturally to him. He's so good at it. And then you get someone like me that's not very good at it. And he's, you know, I'm really lucky that I've had him to teach me over the years and I've learned so much from him but I think it's been a lot harder for Dave trying to you know teach me to get out of the old pony club style of riding and English saddles and sitting up straight and you know all that sort of stuff to sit back and you know sit in your seat and hold on and slap him on the arse and off you go <laughs> yeah done that for a while <laughs> Dave our, um, I know you got something cheeky to say there, but you're holding your tongue. I can see it. Um, <laughs> how did your approach to horses? How did that help you when uh, when you started seeing like that gentleman with his dogs? And then how how did that come about, mate? Did you well, hang a lot of that horsemanship on board? Yeah, look, to me, you can, and you, I've seen a lot through my horse career. People could get books and um, and they could read as much as they wanted on a horse. But doesn't mean that they can. Um, they've got feel with a horse. Yeah. Um, and breaking in a lot of stock horses and quarter horses, young, like a few sort of rank types, and then we broke in a few thoroughbreds. They're all different cut of cloth. Like they, they, they all um, work off a of feeling. So, and the more I picked up um, with me feel with the horses, I could get them softer and nicer. Um, and what I relate that to is to the dogs. Um, we've got a different type of um, methods that we use that are um, a lot more natural and they rely on feel. We're not that um, uh, type of person that just, you know, um, there's a dog, if it doesn't sit around our training, um, that's it. We, we've, um, we've got a style where... We see who the dog is, see the way he thinks, how he gets about his stock, and then then we set up a few little exercises to help him grow. We, you know, and I learnt that from the horses, yeah. Um, and where I could ride a little bit, so I'd probably get leaning on my horses and probably bullying them a little bit. Um, you know, being a cowboy, you'd you'd like to be lapping everything, and and. So I recognise that's I, I I actually were training most of them that way when I was sort of a bit sore or whatever I'd have to train a bit of a different way yeah. but um, I've been able to relate that to the dog job and how we start them you know so when we first decided that we wanted to be dog trainers like you know we had to put it to practice all these different theories of seeing if we could train different types of dogs so. Um, yeah, I relate a lot to a horse. Yeah, and no, I, and I see a lot of fellas that spend a lot of time on a horse, walking stock somewhere. They know where to be. Um, so it, yeah, yeah, I've got to I've got to thank a lot to the horses, really. You know, I, I love the way you describe that, and, and the way you highlighted feel. Because we talk about feel a lot in our dogs, but um, I suppose I'm lucky enough to work in a couple of different circles now and in different disciplines and a lot of people are talking about the feel that handlers have for their dogs um as well as like we always relate that back to our dogs on stock and it's 
I, I think it doesn't get highlighted probably enough yeah. of, you know, a lot of times, like rather than try and tell a dog what to do, like you just said then, like work with the dog and have some feel for it and, you know, what you can, you could probably make a better dog um, yeah. based on something that somebody else would have binned earlier, right? Correct, because dogs don't talk human. Dogs talk dogs. So if we if we um, can understand how he's thinking, how he's feeling, well, it gives you a bit of a roadmap to getting trained, you know? Yeah. And how he responds to pressure. How, how much pressure do we put out that he's going to be responsive to? Um, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it's feel all the way around. Um, oh, absolutely. And, and another thing, yeah, that sort of stuck in my mind, um, we used to muster on this block out near St George and he had a heap of, back in them days, there would be dogs tied in underneath every tree. Yeah, they'd get let off. He'd, he'd either follow and go to work or he never, you know, um, and they'd be clipped back underneath the tree. But we used to head sort of south from the block and there was a big high um, hill and all the dogs tied the other way. And, like, you'd be over there mushrooming and there'd be dogs barking and barking and barking. And um, you go, oh, them barking buggers, like, and up there, everyone freaks out. If they hear a dog bark, like, they start immediately freaking out. There's bad dogs barking, you know. So, um, but you'd get, you'd come back, trot your horse back and go up the top of the hill and then you'd just be trying to see which dogs are barking. As soon as your head pops up on the hill, they all go quiet. <laughs> so you could never work out who it was. So, like, how do they know I'm just about to pop my head up, you know? So, yeah, oh, like, um, yeah, they're smarter than what we give them credit for, I reckon. Mate, I've got three five-month-old pups there right now. As soon as I open that, that glass door, just half an inch, like, you yeah. buggers, I can't pick you. Yeah. 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 Training people um, has taught us a lot too. So when you're watching someone else work a dog, you can see their, their timing's out they're out of position and that's what's causing things to go wrong with their dog. It's so much clearer to see, you know, from the outside looking in than when you're actually in there training a dog. So I think we've learned a lot through that too. You've got to make sure your position's right, your timing's right, or, you know, you run into a few, few dramas there. How's that helped you grow yourself, Sarah, like teaching? Yeah, well, it's helped me to understand that that's got a lot, to do with it if you're late you know correcting your dog if you're in the wrong spot or you're just um making things 10 times harder and the dog's not understanding what you're doing so yeah that's helped me a lot to realize to make sure i'm in the right spot to make sure you, you're um correcting them at the right time so that then they know what they've done is right or wrong and yeah. it's been a big big help for me that's for sure do you think it's actually improved your timing? Like you, how much? Yeah, like it, it's it, a, a lot easier to recognise, especially um, we've got a young lad working for us at the moment and he's been um, doing a lot of training with us and it's made me realise, you know, that's how I used to be. So I've come such a long way from where I was because you're so oblivious to it. It's not something that's, you know, comes naturally to you like it does Dave. You just know to be in the right spot at the right time and it's the feel for him. Whereas, you know, some of us don't have that natural feel and you've got to learn it. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a big help for me and a, and a big realization that um, it's taken me a long time to work that all out. It definitely grounds you. Cause yeah, like Beanie, Beanie come down here and 
basically we just weaned him off his mum and uh, <laughs> got him down here and got him going. And like he's he sort of done nothing prior, so it's a real level and experience to have someone, you know green as green, bear as bear, you know, um, and to start, you know, and it really, it helps you put things in, you know, in placement, you know, so in steps when you're training, training your dogs, you know, and to really break it down, so, yeah. You good. mentioned, you mentioned right. for um, how a lot of people that have been on the back of a horse know where to position themselves on a mob or on stock. Yeah. Did you guys find, because I know I personally did, is I wanted to be in the spot of the dog um, rather than putting the dog there. Did you guys experience that at all, like when you first started out? Well, originally you're the dog. So yeah. So you've got to go where the dog's got to be. So you've just got to turn that around and let the dog go there and you go there, you know. One of the, some of the biggest mistakes we can do is push a dog off his job you know, if you get riding where he's supposed to be, you're going to start offending him. He's either going to get more overruly to you or or just not like you. I think, you know, like if, where I cut my teeth, if you rode a horse in front of someone while you're mustering, well, that's what you should be on, see? And that'd be, there's sort of 16 in a camp. And so there's always a little bit of fisticuffs about you get riding in front of that, they get offensive. Same with the dog. So, you know, if, if they've walked a lot of mobs, they've been the dog and had to get there. So now it's your turn to shine and let the dog do it and kick back, you know, get on get on Facebook or whatever we do. Let the dog <laughs> take over. <laughs> well, while we're on the touch of feel there, or the case of feel, um, you mentioned earlier you started with a collie camp and now it's predominantly a Kelpie camp. Yeah. How did you, and you mentioned like those hard biting dogs to start with, how did you, do you find your Kelpie's now more natural feely dog than the dogs you had before or vice versa or? Um, because we were, like I was a collie person, that's all I wanted was collie. So the dogs that we've chose um, present themselves like a collie. I went for dogs with big square flanks Um and so they've got similar styles. There's a little bit of similarity, but on a whole, um, Kelpie's a, you know, a lot more independent type of a dog. You know, so when we're training a few collies, um, we don't get in their heads as much as what we what we used to, we're like yeah. without them real forward going dogs. Um, so what we do, we get our dogs a little bit, uh, well, balance up or taking the weight of their stock but all we're trying to achieve is a little bit of movement in front of their stock. Um, and once we do that, we, we then get this, we call it a neutral, just disengaging them from their stock um, so that they can be stood up or laid down or however they want to be, they can be in front of their stock um, and be calm. Um, and you would leave your colleagues alone a lot more so he's not looking at you for... for um, for guidance so where kelpie um you've got to really make a big point with them to be a part of the mob to include you in part of the mob um but once you know once you've broke through to them and you know they know that you know what they're thinking it's easier then to sort of to sort of sneak on them a little bit because i don't want to break them down i don't want to muck with who they are 
you know, I just want to see what makes them tick to be able to bring the best out of them. So, um, yeah, so there is a lot of differences. and but, it, but you get a lot of differences in the collie lines and you get a lot of differences in the cowpie genetics too, I'm finding. So, yeah, but we, yeah, we do approach them a bit different. But cowpies also have the natural back and bark, so it's a lot easier to teach them than yeah. it is is the collies. Yeah. yeah. And, and do you guys like a particular, like a um, similar style of dog? Um, I think, no, we're slightly <laughs> different in that <laughs> I, I like to suck mine up a bit and I love that they want to have a pat and a cuddle and they want to be with me all the time. I like the dogs that really want to please me and they're really biddable. So I don't like getting a sore throat, telling my dog to sit down all day or to get off the sheep. So I like the ones that, um, the, the softer dogs, whereas I think Dave likes the more stronger I like them a little bit crazy. Like, yeah. You, know, you, like want, you want a dog that nobody else wants? Quirky. Yeah, you know, like I, I want them a bit quirky and I want them to have, yeah. So similar, but yeah, no. He likes the ones no. that give you a sore throat and I don't. No. no. <laughs> You'll see. Yeah. So there's a question here from Mark Mangold and he's asked Being a husband and wife team, do you ever have different opinions on the dog's training procedures? And if so, Who's the big dog of the relationship and gets the final say? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we quite often have um, difference of opinion, but that's she that's shake yard talk. That, that, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but um, Dave's the boss, so I know my place. <laughs> no, and you know, I like, and I've got to admit more and more now. Um, so when dogs or ours are coming to training, whether they're our own that we're processing or they're outside dogs, if they need a bit more nurturing, I just pass the footy to Sarah and let her run it straight because she naturally um, likes that. You know, where um, so that's yeah, that's work to treat for us really, and 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 I don't always win. You're <laughs> just making out. <laughs> is that the same? Is that the same with your pups? Like, do the seraphine? Do you find you more raising the pups a bit more um, and putting a bit more of those manners on them early on, and then Dave oh. steals them? Or yeah, <laughs> the kids. We're lucky we got the kids. They bag them down, mate. So they'll be scruffing them little buggers from the time they do. They're big enough to play with. Like there'll be pups hidden in the house. <laughs> under things, under beds, yeah, like bed. so. The yeah, the kids do a big part in handling them, but um, the do. only thing we do now, we don't argue over this too much now anymore. But <laughs> we imprint them young to come to a whistle for food. So yep. we're on the same playing field. That's the only thing that I impose on the litter where it wasn't puppy puppy, and I'm going to kiss you and cuddle you and the whole lot of it. So they they get scruffed by the kids and they get imprinted to a whistle. So that's all we do. Really. I do spend, we do spend a lot, of, well, I do spend a lot of time with the pups from an early age. Like even when the bitch is whelping out, I'm there. I don't leave her on her own. So I do all that sort of stuff. Dave does not like it. So he stays out the road. But I spend a lot of time getting to know the pups. So I know each individual pup and then I'll pick them before I've even worked them. I'll pick which ones that I want. And then we often have disagreements because I've picked one that I like and then Dave will see it work and he'll say, oh, I'm, 
that's a nice one. I'm having that one. <laughs> I'll say, no, I already picked it. That's my one. So <laughs> it, it ends up turning out that um, they normally pick me. So I normally get them back in the end. Yeah, that's we, all right then. Same here. Like, um, litters we have now since Nat's been here, is, she can tell me more about those pups than I can. I'm just like, what, what, how, how do you have so much time to do that? But I don't know. I just find probably women's more attention to detail than us sometimes, Dave. We just get a bit carried away. Um, and yeah, they get a bit nurturing and yeah, they can just pick quirks. And like you said, you've picked your pup a lot earlier there, Sarah. Yeah, we can tell there's full on ones, there's quiet ones. There's one in the litter that was really, um, really friendly. And every time I left him, he'd whine. And I said, yes. Dave, he's not going to suit you because he's really reliant on me. So. <laughs> Yeah. you know that's going to be my pup and even now like when i walk out he won't leave me he's always with me even if there's pups so yeah i think spending that time with them you do learn a lot about them from a young age and i can pick those characteristics if they're going to suit me or or if they're more likely to suit day but i must admit to i for our, my own personal um choice of dog like in them pups so if a pup picks me over sarah in the litter I jump on that train and just sort of because, <laughs> like, it just, you know, it doesn't want to be a part of them. Geez, I've got its attention. It might lack a few little things, but because it's wants me and I, it's I, yeah. like it's fierce competition, right? You feel special. Yeah, I do. I feel yeah, I feel <laughs> like a chosen one. Yeah. Are you? Are you? In, you mentioned imprinting on the whistle there. Are you imprinting just that pup, or are you imprinting the whole litter? You said you use a whistle to food. Yeah. yeah you... So when you're going to feed them, instead, instead of saying, yeah, bop, 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 it's dinner time, yeah. we'll use a whistle. So they all come out to a whistle. So yeah. you're imprinting them to come when we use a certain whistle. They already know it means come to us. Yeah. You're conditioning them early to that today. Yeah. Yeah. And the whistle's been around for however many years and they've been trained through a whistle. So it's a natural part of the, you know, a dog's um, learning. So if, if, if we can get them to learn from there and they're responding to a whistle, it just makes our program a lot easier, you know, because to me, um, verbal, there's a fair bit of just um, white noise, you know, like dogs um, respond more to melatonin then they do the same, you know, same melatonin. Like the the variation is what they pick up on. I find. Yep. So not how we say, but what we say. Not what we say, but how we say it. Sorry. Yeah. And a whistle is just so much clearer for them. You know, like so our dogs are coming here for training. Well, we're just training for a whistle. And if they don't whistle, that's fine. Um, they can imprint them however they however they want to put their verbals over the top of that. So. So we find by starting that early um, just helps us, you know, do the deal. Yep. Yeah. And then, you know, now more than ever, and because we're not short of hounds, um, we're in not a big hurry to get them all trained. If we can just have the basic things like a call-off, um, we leave them alone now. Like, um, especially when we we know what we're, we're breeding, what types, we're familiar with it. Um yeah, instead of, you know, a lot of handlers or a lot of breeders, they're in a big hurry to pick a pup so they can send the rest of the pups out. 
you know, so they're pushing and they get poking a little bit more because, you know, there's not a dog that you can't break down through pressure, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's definitely out. <laughs> and are you guys doing any, um, like, uh, lead work with your young pups or dry work or you're waiting more until they're old enough to put down on stock or...? Well, they get tied up. Yeah. They get they get a. And the kids collar. put them on. We put a collar on them. And the kids take them for walks on a lead, so they get a lot of um, lead time. They get um, clipped up before they come in the um, arena, or whatever you want to call it, sheepyard. So that we've got clips all along the sides, so they get clipped up before they come in. But yeah, and for our call loss, we use a long line, so they've got to be conditioned to a lead before before we get into doing any of that. And you mentioned a few times, like you, like have a training program. What is that? Well, are you happy to share that program? Like, is there step by step way that you guys do things, or just where do I send invoice? <laughs> 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 no. Australian Working Stock Magazine. <laughs> no, look. So leaving it basic. Keep um, no, you know, just good house maintenance with them they're not jumping all over you um you know and they can play with other dogs um and then we expose them to our sheep uh and you know smaller numbers and what we want to do is just we let them get chasing at that time like we don't get them in and then want to be balancing them up or bringing stock to us or anything like that like yeah. you know the first time is usually just to let them have a bit of a smell around see what's there, um, have a little bit of a look, um, you know, and we don't really start our dogs for 14, 16 weeks now, um, only because I don't want to knock them around, you know, over a yeah. silly little, little mistake, we we don't start them then, but I'm, I think of them like as a, like a rubber ball, um, so I want to be able to get them as soft as soft, and so what I mean by soft, so we can position him anywhere around that ball and he's happy to go there. Dogs um, are usually left-handed or right-handed. You only get a few any desperate ones that um, are even and that's all cool. It, you know, like I've trained dogs that are one-sided and you can get them to go the other way. So I find cleaning their turns up so they've got good positive movement in front of their stock. Um, we get them to do that and just, you know, and feel the weight of our stock a little bit. Um, you know, we might have a yard dog one, so we might have to approach him a little bit different. But for our, for the all round and the paddock dog go, we um, create that bit of feel. Um, and then we work on our neutral. So that's our disengaging them for their stock. So they all get that. So that's the start of your stop. Um, because I, I, I've seen it so much, people are so freaking out about their stop. You know, they, they pick a fight on it all the time and the dog didn't yeah. understand what's going on. So we find the neutral um, and then we turn that into our stop. Um, and this might be, it, it varies on the, on the dog that we're training. Um, some get there by 10 months, some get there by 14 months. Who cares? Some just because they're a couple of months different doesn't mean they're going to be any different dog, you know. Um, but we just spell all this out to them, so we've got we've got good movement anywhere we want, and off our body pressure, we can we can put him anywhere we want around that 
around our ball, you know, um, and we know he's soft that way. So we've got our neutral, then we turn our neutral into a stop. And I like to get them stopped in front of them from the side and from the back. Um, and then when it comes time to putting our stop on them, we've got a, um, a like a drench race here we've made up at home. Um, and we spend a lot of time in the dent, in the drench race. Um, but you can get them in there and you get them used to confined spaces and and we get our stop on them there. So they're in that confined space. There's only one place they can go, you know. Um, and we also use it for um, if dogs are down at confidence, you go, well, here's a good time to get a good bark up on him. You know, so if he's a bit down, we, we use the race work for that. Um, so um, there's a bit of a juggling between that, but that helps us get our good stop on them. And then we teach them to walk straight lines and get the pressure we want to put on the stock. And why we do this, so we can have our work dog, then we can have some fun with him on the weekend, you know? Yeah. So this is for this method, just, just allows us to take our work dogs trolling too. You know, um, most people go, we only got, 500 or 2,000, we haven't got time for that. But there's always a hoppy-legged sheep somewhere or a, a bunch of killers. Like, you know, there's just a few exercises you can do just to help prepare your pup, you know, for, you know, for bigger and a brighter future. Because you can always rev a pup up by getting him to rate his stock first properly. Um, if you can do that, you can always come back. It's like a little safety net and you can just fall off all go terrible, boom, you're back on the safety net, you know. He's approaching his stock properly. He's not going too quick. Um, so, yeah, good movement, clean our stop up and get him to approach you, get approach his stock in, in, a, in a fashion that agrees with us. Mm -hmm. So they all go through that and we break all them steps down and, and we spell it out a little bit different to them. Um, you know, I, I, whatever hand it is, like, They've all got something a little bit different. Even in the same litter, there'll be um, like we've got them where they all work and they, there's very similar types, but there's still a few that think a bit different. So we're not scared to um, change what we're doing just to, to help the dog along. But a lot of it is knowing how he's feeling. Is he, um, is he anxious today? Is he down a bit? Is he, is he high-headed? Is his tail up? Sort of seeing how he feels um, is to where we can take him, you know? So that's, yeah, that's a so part speaking, of what we do anyway. Yeah, speaking of that, like, if you go to work on something and you have a dog, you know, if he feels a bit down or something, will you maybe keep that session to, you know, real short intervals? Or spice it up a bit. Yeah, yeah. and, and yeah, short interval, but, for, you know, so in the lead up to that, we've already worked out what's affecting him, whether it's our body pressure or whether we're asking him too much, you know? Yeah. If he's got the instinct to work, the only reason he's shutting down a bit is because he's not processing something correctly. He's not confident. He's not confident, so yeah. we got to what he's not understanding, you know? Is it us? Are we too overbearing? Are we better off working him with our shoulder a bit more and not even giving him an out, like a look at our chest. Like there's other ways you can keep them going for longer. If they're not going in the pressure, a dog will more want to work for longer, it, you know, if he's enjoying himself, you know. And keep his head about him too. Yeah.
Yeah, and do you guys put a bit of time away a week for training, or you go one weekend a month, or just hey, let's go have a quiet bev and put let the kids run a muck over here? Like, how do you guys kind of? Well, we go trolling the to kick back. Yeah, every day we're training. Yeah. Every yep. single day, all day, training dogs, and then on the weekend, yeah. we're trolling. That's our getaway. <laughs> and like yeah. our, our troll dogs, we don't train on them. Yeah, we get them to a certain level, and I'll be honest, I shortcut a few of them, and then because they're pretty natural, but because yeah. you're dealing with so many other dogs, when you've worked twenty dogs for the day, you know, then you come to the one you should be working. Well, wait till we kick it back on the weekend, and we'll troll it. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get back in the trauma. Are you guys working together as well? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys go out and you contract as a team? Or yeah. Yeah. Um, always depends, working together? Depends what's going on and how many people they need or what's going on at home. So um, the whole time Dave and I have been together, we've always worked together. Um, but some jobs only require one person or, you know, like, um, today I had to go out, I had a job on, so landmarking, drafting and drenching. So I went, Dave had a client coming out, um, he had to show the ropes with the dog. So he stayed at home and, and he trained dogs all day. So yeah, it differs from day to day, but generally. <laughs> Got the cream today. Yeah. And generally we're, we're doing it side by side, whatever we're doing. Yeah. Um, and, and it's good because Sarah's got a full team and other training dog so what we like to do we like to do a heap of paddock work when we've got a heap of paddock dogs um at that level um or then we like to go do some yard work or whatever so we fly by the seat of our pants a bit really with um what what's around and what's going to be suitable for our dog's needs is where we aim up to be honest um of course we both love looking after livestock and that's your passion and you know, you sort of miss having stock to look after. But, um, you know, one day we'll get a crack at least in a block or something and we'll be able to do that there then. But yeah, doing yeah. what we're doing, we're doing just enough to get through so you can have that transitioning from puppy and trainer, mobs and got all the detail on them just to go give them them a few weeks. Like a lot, you can get a lot on a dog just by... Um, putting him in the position and letting him take control a little bit. Um, yeah, so we do work that, together. <laughs> and have you got a his and hers team you, you mentioned there or interchangeable team? or No, we don't share dogs. My dog's my dog's. His dog's <laughs> his dog's. <laughs> yeah, and that, was that a line drawn in the sand early? Yeah, well, we noticed. So if we're going doing a job, even from when we are at Queensland, working cattle if i had to go get fetch a cow and a wiener back i didn't want dave's dogs coming with me and i didn't want my dogs leaving me and going to dave so we had to early on we established that my dogs would be with me and his dogs would be with him so if we had to separate at least we had our dogs with us there's nothing worse than you know dave take off from the mob to go fetch me back and i'm left with no dogs and you know you're running around like a you know, crazy lady trying to keep all the cows together or vice versa. So, yeah, we established that pretty early on. Yeah, beautiful. And I love when I let my dogs out and Sarah tries to call them and they just ignore <laughs> her and go wait for me. Like, I just have this this little moment in time where I think, it, like, I've got this, mate. 
<laughs> my dogs don't even like you. <laughs> yeah, and he not it's normally where he's asked me to go get his dog or go put his dog away, and they will not come with me. They'll just sit at the back door or yeah. you know, you can start the quad bike and they will not come. Yeah. <laughs> and Dave mentioned early on there that he had a stack of dogs before the work dogs and the hunting dogs and whatnot. So this question might be a bit easier for Sarah. Do you remember your first dog when you came here? Oh, when I came here, yes, yeah. I do. Um, when I was working on a place with Dave, I got thrown off a horse and it jumped on my arm. So I busted my arm. And at the time, um, Dave had a little Kelpie pup, actually. And when I met him, I wasn't allowed to pat his dogs. So I'd be patting his dogs and he'd say, oh, you know, don't pat my dogs. That's the must be a queen <coughs> where you're not allowed to touch people's dogs. And it was so strange for me coming from England, you know, where everyone pats everyone's dogs. So I said, don't, don't touch my dogs, don't touch my pup. And so, you don't wear a man's hat. <laughs> so because I'd done my arm in, I wasn't working. So they'd go off all day mustering. And while he wasn't there, I'd sneak off and get this little puffin. I'd be cuddling it all day and reading a book with it. And then when they were coming back, I'd quickly put it back and make out that I hadn't been patting the puppy. But he's obviously a lot cleverer than I thought he was. And he knew. And he was like, well, you've been patting my pup. And it doesn't want to have a bar to do with me. So... You might as well have him. And he'd called him, so my maiden name's Newman, and he'd called the dog Newman. So that was my first dog that he gave me. It was the one that I was pinching when he wasn't looking. Did you ever go on to do much with it? Yeah, he was a really handy um, cattle dog, actually. And I absolutely loved him. But we moved down to a place at Bow Desert, and um, unfortunately he got a paralysis tick, and I found it. Um, way too late and that absolutely no. was devastating. I've never seen anything like it before but it was horrendous. Um, yeah, not very nice. So that's and that's another reason why we got out of that coastal country and that northern country, you just have a dog um, and then you thought a bit of and then a snake would get him or 1080 would get him or yeah, tick would get him. Yeah. You know, there's all, something would happen. So. Yeah come down here like there's a lot less of that you know yeah. cooler climate um you can work them for a bit longer you know we're, when we're mustering up there um you could walk you know stock for seven or eight kilometers you know and you could be in the lead of them and your dog's been trotting along and putting them together all day and it, like and there's a lot of heat coming off that red ground and um yeah, then the dog's that thirsty and then he'd get in trouble if he ducked into a water trough in front of the cattle, you know. So, you know, yeah. being down anywhere you can get a drink and for as long as do a bit easier and not cooking them, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we had to have big teams of dogs up there because they'd all be getting jumped on, so we'd have sore pads or, you know, so they'd always have dogs out, so you had to have a big team up there or they'd get hot or they'd overheat. You know, there'd be days where Dave's having to put holes in his, you know, dip his cowboy hat and put, water in it so the dogs could have a drink because they're so hot or you put them up on your saddle where there's you know wieners taken off and they had to fetch it back and then they're really knocked up yeah it's a hard life for them up there yeah absolutely. So, yeah much and, much nicer than down here that's yeah good. absolutely and what's the you mentioned you had a few there what's the core team look like at the moment go on then what's your core team um i can do a job with them anyway <laughs> Yeah. Um, I've got a variation of them. Um, 
yeah, I, I'd like to run them a lot more than what I do. I, I just had 12 over at Tasmania with me for six weeks, mastering the hills over there, and um, I took some other pups over, and yeah, they, yeah, it, that was, um, that was pretty cool, really. Um, yeah, seeing them dogs' natural ability with just a bit of a handle I had on them at home to put them into that real work, they just handled it like, yeah. Who's a couple of the favourites there, Dave? Hey, who's a couple of the favourites there? Tess. Uh, I've got a bitch called Tess. Um, her name was Tess, but we've got a little mate that's um, named Tess, and she's sort of skinny little girl. So I thought, oh shit, if she's around and this um, dog was all ears and real skinny looking thing, so I changed his name to Tess. <laughs> I, got her. I, I just love how. She can handle a stock from a distance, but she comes in 100 mile an hour when you want her. But um, yeah, yeah, I like her. I've got another little bitch called Choice. Um, I, yeah, I'm having fun with her and I've um, got a pup out of Choice and, and I reckon she's better again, like so. Um, yeah, they're nice and I've got, uh, I'd Ice. have, I've, um, I've probably got another sort of four <laughs> or five dogs about that two-year-old um and there's a dog there ace like he's he's um hairy and he's you know he's like me he's a little bit ugly but he's got plenty of geo on him and he's probably he probably reminds me when i was young like he's just probably full-on crazy and he's he loves it so much he makes a bit of a pig of himself but um if if i can get him steadied up he, yeah I'm gonna have a bit of fun with him. Um, so yeah, it's a and um, what else I got? Oh, and I've got a yeah, I've got a couple other ones at a trial. <laughs> yeah, well, we're going that all night. So what about Sarah's court team? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a few, but Rock's my number one. My Rock dog. He's a beautiful dog and so easy. So what, yeah. What is it about Rock? Oh, he just wants to please me. He's calm. He's cool-minded. He's not grubby. He's just, yeah, so easy to have around. He's nice in the paddock, nice and steady. But, yeah, he's got plenty of back and bark and, you know, in the yards. And I can work him on cows if I need to. But I don't because I don't want to hurt my little baby. So, avoid <laughs> that all costs. So, yeah, he's my number one. And then... Um, I did have his sister, but unfortunately she had a nasty accident and I lost her and she probably would have been my number one if, if she was still here. Um, but she had a litter of pups when she died. And so I kept three of them and, and Dave's got Ace, which he was talking about, which was out of her too. So, and, um, so Ice was out of my bitch that died, Rock's sister, and he's a really special dog too been doing really well with him he's a really nice paddock dog saying cool and calm but good in the yards and I've been doing really well trialing with him as well he just um he's just so easy to get on with you know nothing's too hard to do with him he's yeah I just really enjoy working them they're my two two main men yeah beautiful Dave was there an oh you're at Laura no there's a question here just come in from John O'Pillow for both of you um is there any particular dog that's had an influence on your team or line I'm glad I didn't ask that question and you got in first. <laughs> um, talk over the top of Daniel to get it in. Yeah. Oh, get there in the end. <laughs> yeah. A dog 
um, is uh, called Toby of Lee Mickens. Um, so he's what attracted me to the Kelpie world, really. I saw him work. He could handle merinos really delicate, but he could, he could, you know, if they were big weathers, he could deal to them. If they were composites, he could deal to them. So he's been a big influence. Um, and I, I got, um, well, I bought a dog for 50 bucks. Um, and I was at Horsham Trial there one day and this old fella's come out of the hills and he's come down and they, they were short on dogs and he's run all these dogs down heap of two and three year old ones and there was this hairy dog and I just saw him get around his stock and I could see our mate was not getting along with him um, and I just went, that's the cowpie that goes like a collie, I like him, yeah. You know? um, so I went up to hit him up. Um, if he'd sell me the dog, we said to Sarah, how much do we, can I spend, yo? She said, there's no money, you can't do that. And I said, well, I'm going to buy this dog. So how much can I spend? I think she said 1500 or two grand or something. And I went and had a yarn dog, mate. And he said, you can have him, I'm only going to shoot him. I said, well, I can't do that. Um, I'll give you a carton for him. Anyway, so his name's Michael Sargent. And... Um, He's probably taught me a lot about um, a softer type of a dog too. Um, but we've we've used him because he's really square on his flanks. Um, and like he just go up over their backs and under them all day. He just gets smashed all day. He loves it, but he's, but he's kind to his stock. He's a, he's a merino dog. Um, and I love a lot of things about him. You know, I would rather a dog, I would like him if I could bully stock with him a bit, I can't, but I just thought um, between Toby and Sergeant, if we can get the happy medium in that, um, we'd, be, we'd be pretty happy little campers, I'd reckon. Um, and so that's what we've been doing. We, we, we've only ever joined him sort of four times, I think. Um, yeah. And um shit i'd i'd hate to count sort of the type of money we've sort of um got out of the pups like it's it's phenomenal really but um yeah so he's been yeah we're, we're basing it around it not not stereotyping just him or not just him but they were two a couple of dogs that yeah that we are influencing our dogs with well we have you know yeah and are you the same, Sarah? Yeah, well, Sarge is just, just the kindest dog. I mean, Dave couldn't get him to bite a sheep for the, there for a long time, could you? Like, yeah. he's just the kindest, sweetest dog and just loves Dave. He's the one that will be sat at the back door waiting for him. And if I need to put him away, I have to, you know, go get a lead and drag him away because he won't be anywhere without Dave. Um, and I really like, he's very biddable. And he's, yeah, he's just a lovely dog. And even, yeah, and Toby too, consistent. Yeah, really nice dog. So, yeah, definitely influence our lines a lot. Yeah. And, and while we're talking about influencing your lines, is there anything you'd like to put into your lines? Um, we've, so Rock's sister um, and Rock. Um, and, like, there's some firm dogs in them. Like, they go to Cattle Gordon. Um, so their mother um, went to cattle. She was probably a bit piggy on stock, but she uh, she'd sort of 
bash into them and, and then create that bit of room. So, and, and um, yeah. Um, and we've got firmer bitches, so we've put the sarge line over the firmer, firmer bitches. And in the, in the litters, we've been getting them real strong ones with that good cover. And then you'll get one sort of similar to um, Sarge a little bit, but the bitchard line for us is everything. So, um, you know, like breeding horses or cattle or sheep or whatever, you you like you can have the best ram in the country, or the best whatever in in the country. You can you know you put it over something that's no good. You yeah you, know, you you lessen your chances. So yeah. our bitches are good firm feeling thing so that's allowed us to use starge in them lines um and yeah um oh, look so our way of breeding um is we don't go for the extreme paddock dogs and we don't go for the extreme yard dogs we back it back a bit and go for them dogs in the middle um because yeah. then we can train him that end and train him that end um, so that's the sort of what works for us. So um, something, if we bring in outside stuff in, we're going very similar, very yep. similar to that same style of dog. Like we don't want to go influencing it with this big super paddock dog with no inside work. We don't want to lose where we're at. So, yeah, we're pretty particular um, with coming back in, um, yeah, to keep that keep that consistency pretty stable now, you know. Yeah. So basically you're pretty happy yeah. with where we're at. <laughs> and, and those outside dogs you're talking about, like that are similar, are you looking at pedigree as well or you're not really too fussed on that as long as they have the traits you like? Traits. I don't care what their name is. Yeah. I don't care. I do not I do not judge them on it. You know, only thing is I, I don't go for yellow dogs um, or anything like that. I... I go for red and tans or black and tans, um, but apart from that, I I find the dog and then I look at his pedigree after it, you know, yeah. and and for us making sure they're CA clear and everything clear, or or something that we could work with prior to um, any future matings or anything like that, yeah. So you guys Actually, can test a bit. Yeah. Sorry, say that again, Laura. So you guys DNA test? Yeah, yeah. everything. Yeah. yeah. So you DNA test your pups before you sell them? Yeah. Well, not your going dogs and everything. Yeah, yeah the going yeah. dogs, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's actually that's something that's becoming a lot more popular now. Like, I think I was only talking about this with some, you know, old timers the other day at different trials, like, you know, pronounced people out there that have really got a hold of this as well. Um, how have you, when you start talking about that with your clients, how – how was that taken? Uh, well, most people don't know about it or yeah. don't even know what yeah. it is. Um, yeah. So we test all our bitches. And if you test your bitches and your dogs, well, you know what your pups, you know, if they're clear, your pups are going to be clear. It's only if you've yeah. got a carrier that they're either going to be a carrier or they're going to be clear. So make sure we test, you know, all the bitches we use, any dogs. The only dramas that we might run into is when you use an outside dog, not everyone's willing to test their dogs. So you yeah. sort of, take a gamble there but as long as we make sure our bitches are clear you know you're right but um hopefully it's something that everyone's going to get onto not just you know a small minority well how we got onto it is because we're going to bring dogs back from the uk so 
you know, um, I spoke to a um, breeding guru lad and he said, this is what you got to look for. No good. Find it what you want and it's got genetic faults. So yeah. get the tests and done or, you know, purpose breed, really emphasis, put a bit of emphasis on, you know, being a bit selective like that because you don't want to get the type you want and then you back yourself into a corner. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah, so due to that made us well aware. So when we're going into the cowpea world, you know, and we were so um, happy when we found out where you could test and do a full test and a whole lot of it, like, I thought everyone would be using. I didn't think for a second that they weren't. But getting back to the clients, um, once they've been explained that, you know, yeah, they're they're pretty good. But it's fifty fifty. Some don't care really. Some go, yeah. oh well, it's a dog, you know. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And and speaking about clients, that you guys have had a bit of success through auctions to start with. Um, and you actually brought up a real good point prior to us going live. Matt, you want to just touch on on that? So what was that point? <laughs> um, you about <laughs> reaching like market expectation. Yeah. For when Yes. Oh, well, so with the um so with the with the auctions, we only go through there to see to, to get a good evaluation of what the dog is worth. You know, um, because what I feel is worth or what someone else feels in worth, well, you know, that's he said, I said. You go to auctions and, and you get a good evaluation on them. So that's why we've chose to go through them. And I just noticed, well, we noticed when we were down here, we thought we saw a lot of half-going pups, not a call-off, not a sit. Um, and I thought, well, you you know, you wouldn't have to have any different bred dog here. All you'd have to do is have a bit of presentation and and it, it, to the eye would be a lot more appealing. So one would imagine you get a few extra dollars for it. But the downside to that is, um, you know, there's a lot of anxiety about where the dog's going to go. Are they going to look after him? Are we going to find out what the dog's going on? You know, Um and that's that's the downside to it all, um, you know. Where I don't go to a sale and I'm I'm happy. You know, I realise when I'm at a sale that money doesn't mean bugger all to me. You know, yeah. I I realise that. So yeah, what I was talking about, I sold a hairy dog called Harvey, um, a collie dog, and like um, we butted heads a bit, but we we. You know, we made it there in the end, and um, and he was really loyal to me. So, um, yeah, Gus and Rory come around all excited to, um, we got your dog, you got your dog. Um, I, yeah, I found it very confronting. So, I, I just couldn't talk. I just had to go straight to the toilet and have a little bit of a spat about it, you know, and get control of myself before I could come back. Immediately, I did go straight to the bar under the drums. <laughs> that helped um, but like yeah like it's people see oh they got someone got that for that dog or they got that dog you know like it's I don't pride myself on I got that much for that dog yeah like um, yeah so it's mixed emotions with the old um, with the dog auctions you know and and you know when the cattle job jumped you know the sheep 
job jumped and after they had a few good years, you know, a lot of people saw a few dollars and dogs and they just sort of dumping them, dumping what they can through, you know, and um, and I think if if we could have auctions and there could be people there that, um, you know, knew the dogs were solid and sound and someone could guide the buyer maybe into the right dog because, um, you know, would help the auction job along a little bit and probably let people like us not worry about where the dog's going to go because there's someone there matching them up a little bit. They're not just getting our mate's point of view and what he said and that person said or that person said. I find with selling them privately at home, like, we um, go into depth about um, understanding their client, what their needs are, you know, and sometimes, and this um, happens more than once, it, it reoccurs quite often, that they, they've got an opinion of what type of dog it's going to suit them because they've been speaking to neighbours, brothers, auntie, and, and they had a convo about a dog and all this and that, and they build up a picture of what they think they need and it could be totally opposite to what they actually need, you know? Um, yeah. So in realising all that, um, you know, and, and we, we sell quite a few here at home, um, yeah, it puts a different spin on the old dog auctions. Absolutely. And, and to anyone out there that when Dave was talking about getting emotional there before, that thinks that it might be played up for the cameras. I know you said you, uh, you don't like yellow dogs, Dave. You like your red and tan and your black and tan. I remember we were at an auction last year and I demoed a yellow dog. And after that, you walked up to me. I don't know if you remember. And you walked straight up to yeah, me and you I go, remember. yeah, it's not easy selling these dogs, is it? When you, when you love them, I can see how much you love that dog. And that has always that has resonated with me for the last what eighteen months now, or they're close to it, whatever however long it was, because that was a pretty hard moment for me. But like you said earlier, like sometimes yeah. to have to build a reputation, you need to part with something of quality as well. And um, that that resonated with me, mate. I just wanted to thank you for right. actually coming out yeah. that day and saying that. Like it really, I was a bit upset myself about that. Yeah. So. No, thank you, mate. And we put on a brave face, especially being males, don't we? Yeah, we have to, right? You know, and, and yeah, and being males, like you know, um, we put on all that, but you know, you had great connection with that dog. You presented him well. I think is probably one of the best presented dogs that were there. I was pretty dumbfounded. It, um, I thought it was going to bring a hell of a lot more than what it did, to be honest. Um, I thought it was a nice style and, and, and you had him going good, but the dog was just in tune with you and, you know, when your energy are up, the dog's energy was up and when your energy was down, like the dog just knew where to be and, and then I know that connection and I, I just know what's coming after the sale, you know, so I, I wanted to mention to you, you're not alone, like it's all right to feel bad that you sold your dog like, and it means that you care and you want to put a good product out there, which, um, yeah, I admire. So that's why I come and said what I said, but yeah. No, thank you, mate. Much appreciated. And while we're talking about feelings and whatnot here, Sarah, you got something coming up yourself that you've put a bit of time into. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Yes, on the 12th and 13th of August, I've arranged a ladies' weekend. So, um, yeah, just going to 
a group of ladies together to come and work dogs and um, a bit of a social gathering really because I know there's a few ladies out there that would like to go do clinics but they just um, lack confidence so it's a, like a non-judgmental weekend where no one's you know um, got any opinions on anyone else we're just there to have a good time and and hang out all for the same reasons so yeah really looking forward to it I've been wanting to do it for a long time but yeah just... and you've organized Gordon Ramsay there as well Yes. Yeah, like, <laughs> hopefully he doesn't burn everything, give us food poisoning. Um, yeah, we're hoping it's going to be a good week. Yeah. Well, Anyone that might be in the... 25 um, drunken dog women here, so how do, how do you think that's going to be? It's going to be some interesting conversations. So, and is that full now? Has it is are you tapped out? Are you at capacity or can people yeah, still? Yeah, no, I won't take any more. Um, I think yep. that's enough for the first one. We'll see how it goes and then see how it works, whether we do another one and if I have more or less people. So we're just testing it out. They're all guinea pigs at the moment, see how it goes. If if it all sort of kicks going, like it'd be good then because we've got lights and stuff here, so then you can have a little jackpot thing at the end of it the girl just to you know get finish the spirit off you know like so it won't be this time but down the track you know no it's awesome idea and i've seen it through the horses and they they just go nuts like it's it's something that is really you know in a as much as we don't like to admit it it is a man's sport um to some degree it's heavily male dominated too so to see the the horses or the Dogs. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> we get beat by girls in Victoria every weekend. Well, exactly, <laughs> but at the end of the day, percentages, there's more males than there is females. So it's good to see the women getting together and helping each other out and, and learning from each other. So hats off to you, Sarah. Like it's it's great that you're both doing it and it's even better that Dave's on the barbecue. So <laughs> we'll have to see some more of them. <laughs> I think it's good too because um, a lot of them are like me, you know, got kids or you're constantly working on the farm so you don't get to socialise. You know, you don't say, oh, I'm going down the pub for a couple hours, see you later, can you look after the kids? So it's a good excuse to have a weekend away. You're working dogs so you're doing something constructive but you're also, you know, hanging out and um, hopefully getting in a good mental space where you don't, might not get to talk to people normally because you're so busy at home or away on the, you know, on the farm. So, yeah. Hopefully. It's like doggy Tinder, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> <I think. laughs> Not really. <laughs> so, talking about getting out there and, and making room more comfortable, do you do you still get nervous trolling? Um, yeah, I do. Not as much as I used to. I remember the first, I don't know, couple of years I'd be, you know, queuing at the toilet every five minutes and my hands would be shaking you try to undo the gate latch and your hands are just shaking or your knees are shaking um but yeah i'm a lot more relaxed only time i've got really nervous was um this year at the australians at at mansfield and i made the top i think i made the top 10 and i just the first two people that went before me couldn't get their sheep round and I knew it was going to be tough and like my nerves just took over and I wasn't thinking straight and my, I could feel my legs shaking and I'm trying to pull myself together. It was, yeah, it was horrible. So I still definitely get nervous, but I try and 
tell myself that I'm excited and put myself in the right right headspace. Because if you keep telling yourself you're nervous all the time, you're going to be nervous. I try and change yeah. that to, oh, I'm excited. This is going to be fun. And just try and enjoy it while I'm out there. Bit Bruce Lee mentality. Yeah, that's it. And and what's your personal takeaway from trialing? What's what what keeps you on the hook? Oh, just um, we've met so many fantastic people through doing it. We've got such really good friends we would never have met in a million years if we hadn't started dog trialing. So that's a really big thing for me. The people that we've met, and also we wouldn't have known about you know all these other dogs, like we would have known who Toby was if we hadn't been out trialing and got to experience seeing all these fantastic dogs and their handlers going around. So it's been big eye opener that way, getting to um, view heaps and heaps of different dogs and their abilities yeah, and, and just the fantastic people that you get around it too. And yourself, Dave, what, what's your, what keeps you on the hook, mate? Is it the same? Well, we're one of the fortunate ones where we, you know, dogs are our life and well, our living, you know. So, um, you know, I get, oh, I don't want to go. I'd rather stay here. But, you know, Sarah's momentum. This is where we feed off each other. Come on, lazy, let's go. Come on, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. You know, um, and she reminds me how lucky we are to be dog people, you know, for a living. So, you know, and... And this, you go to another trial or whatever else and, um, you know, good things come of it. So it's it's free advertising for us, for people, if they like how our dogs go, you know, there'll be an old farmer in the crowd and he'll come sing me out, you know, or, you know, I like the way you work your dog and I like this, I like that, you know, so, um, yeah, part of the business and, you know, and Sarah's motivation to probably keep going really, but, um only reason I got into um, trialing, like we've only been trialing like four years, oh, five, maybe five, five years, six. five years, you know, um, was I wanted to um, learn to get a better handle so I could present one properly. Um, yeah, and now we're, you know, now we're addicted. Yeah. <laughs> well, who wouldn't want to spend the weekend with their dogs, hanging out with other people that are really passionate? with their dogs like yeah and okay. and really we've got the kids with us like whether we like locked in the car we fight and argue and and we you know the kids get the opportunity then um doesn't matter where we go if they're they could be fast asleep they wake up and put their head out where's that kids yeah you know? where are they like they just they don't care who it is they um, bar none, they go play with them, you know. So the social um, side of things and the confidence them kids have got, uh, you know, we owe trial a lot for that, really. Um, and our confidence, you know, has grown a lot through trialing. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's a mixture of things while we keep doing it and while we love it, really. But, um, yeah. And it makes you step up your game. Yeah. So you've got to step up your dog handling yeah. you know capabilities your dogs it gives you um that enthusiasm to go out and work your dogs on this child coming up you know better clean up my side or i don't know yeah. get a better sit on my dog or he's not can't clear gates or you've got a young dog you want to trial so you know put that extra work into them so it's yeah but yeah relate back to the horse go say you've got 
you know, you're going to a challenge and, and you know what date it's going to be on, like you get your, get your horse set to go. So if you haven't got an index destination where you want to finish on your dog, you'll never get far along, you know. So, um, yeah, so that helps us keep cruising too. Yeah. And you mentioned the Australian Yard trial before. Um, have you tried other disciplines of trialling as well? Um, so I've done kind of trials, yep. <clears throat> a bit of utility, I've tried a bit of three sheep. Yeah. Yeah, we tried a few. Um, it's probably uh, we've look. We've had what two goes at three sheep now. Yes, three maybe three go up three sheeping. Um, and just for the type of dogs who are running for them, like like you know, in a few years' time, we're going to be out of three sheep them. Um, once they're a bit more broke, you know. Um, so that's the only reason we haven't sort of pursued that much and. Um, and for us, where you know we we make a living out of selling working dogs, so we've got to we don't need to step too far either way. Um, yeah. We like we like um, utility, and we've had what two, three goes of that now, yeah. um, and would like to do more. There's not a lot close, um, so that's against us a little bit. You're traveling big hours for that. Originally, I just wanted to trial cattle. I had no interest in training the sheepdog, like to this extent anyway. But, um, and all the lads that sort of know me pretty well, they have a giggle themselves knowing that I'm working with sheep. So, <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah. Um, we just have to travel so far yeah. for the cattle, though. It's probably a six hour drive for us to go do, do the ones over at, um, Vanilla, so yeah. yeah, there aren't very many around. Otherwise, we'd probably do some more. If we win the lotto, we're going to buy a block over there, so we can go over and do some, and then we can come back over here, and then another one in New South Wales, and we can just sort of be everywhere. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. highlight here, getting them tickets in, eh? <laughs> Is there a trophy you would like to have on your mantelpiece? I've already got it. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. We can we can do much more from that. That's that was good. That was good. Really. No, no. Uh, I think winning the Australian would be great. Um, yep. I know this sounds weird, but um, I haven't got anything personally that I I looking on. You know, yeah, we'd all love. We would love to win everything, but yeah. you know. It is what it is. Um, so, I, yeah, I would like to, um, I'd like to sort of do a lot more cattle, sheep, like they, the, the stock dog things, the lads run there at Mansfield. What was it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, I like that concept. You know, it shows a dog how diverse it can be. There, there, there. I, I like, yeah, I, I'd like to, I'd like to win that one. Yeah. And just, yeah, um, give Campbell a run for his money too. <laughs> <laughs> There's a question here. It's sort of back a little bit, but Rick Freeman's asked, what's the best mistake in training or managing a dog that you learnt the most from and influenced you to this day? Mm. Um, probably one for me has been um, handling 
sides, probably. Yeah, but it wasn't a mistake that you've learned from. Yeah, well, there's been a few of them come along. <laughs> I'll give you a bit. <laughs> yeah, and and dog training's not perfect, so there's mistakes. Um, you just can't go too far where they don't forgive it. Is all. Um, you can, yeah, you can get away with a lot and make a heap of different mistakes, but you've got to recognise what the mistakes are, what caused the mistakes. I think is the biggest deal. Yeah. You know, and how to right the wrong next time round or when we approach a situation again. Yeah, and not put them in a situation where they're going to get hurt. So uh, when we're in Queensland, it's a lot harder to train your dogs up there because you haven't got nice, quiet sheep. So once your dogs are a certain age, it's time to go to work. So um, I had a really nice dog that I put on some broken wieners that I thought were quiet. And one happened to take off and she went around to block it and it just absolutely smashed her and we had to have her put down. So I think that was a big learning curve. Well, it frightened me then to put my nice dogs on cows. So I think, yeah, being uh, mindful of what could happen and not putting your dogs in a situation where they're going to get hurt. Yeah. yeah. That's, what that's what I've learned from my little dog, yeah, when she got hurt. It's my biggest mistake that, um, yeah, it's taught me a bit about being careful about what I'm doing. Yeah. Not it, just throwing them in. And, and when you've made go. when you've made as much mistakes as I have, like you can nearly see them coming. You go, <laughs> oh gee, and you half looking. Oh, 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 Get the oh, wince oh, on. There it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. But look, if you're not making mistakes, you're not having a go. You're so yeah. you're not, you know. Yeah, but you, not only the dog's got to learn, we've got to learn an experience out of it, you know? Um, yeah. Is there a message you'd love to get into out there amongst the people? Hmm. Um, work dogs and troll dogs are the same thing. It's how they're started. So, that, you know, different... The bull catching dogs and the real rough, ready going dogs, you know. Um, but, um, you know, it, it's pretty confronting to go trial and put yourself on show. But, but it's rewarding too, like to get to break them comfort zones down. Um, and, you know, have a go. Cause, like, you know, I, I've people tell me now, well, like you only got trial dogs, you only a trialer. You know, um, you haven't got work dogs. Like, you know, I've got the best work dogs I've ever had in my life now. Like whether I might have to run an extra dog if I'm breaking in a heap of cattle or something like that. And like, and I'll cop that on the chin. Um, but, you know, don't make excuses for yourself. Don't hang around people that are going to make excuses for yourself, themselves. You know, and people trying to ram, oh, that dog's no good, or they're, they're pushing stuff on it. Don't even come into them. Like, it's different if um, you're running a corgi, you know, and, and a corgi's just not going to cut the mustard. But if you've got a different style of a dog or whatever, don't be rattled by it. Don't, don't feel that you need to um, fit anyone's, you know, basket. Like, yeah. you know, I, I think be there for the right reasons, you know, and we're all great winners. Um, you know, being that being that sportsmanship type of a person and um, 
you know, go and enjoy your dogs because, you know, there's a heap of different, heap of curled people out there now in doing the same things that always bag trialers or bag this or bag that. Go have a go. Um, find, you know, if I wanted to send a message, it would be to find people that you like, how they work their dogs or work their stock. You know, it doesn't mean you have to think they're the best people or whatever else. Observe and watch them. Um, don't get caught up in any of the, he said, I said, that, that, got to have this, got to have that. Just be open-minded and you'll work the rest out yourself. You know, as a handler, maturing from just a station hand, stock hand into a trialer, like your um, opinion changes and changes and changes. So be open-minded and just enjoy the ride because, you know, um, the trophies, like our kids break them here for fun. You know, like, <laughs> um, like they're there as much as we want to win, but, you know, and a lot of people, we all want to win, but you, it's all cool not to be, just, just enjoy your time and, and you know, um, yeah, enjoy your dogs. So Have a go. focus enjoy on them. that. And then if you get a ribbon, well, she's, you know, she's all apples, brother. <laughs> Beautiful. Is there anyone you'd like to see us have a chat with on Dog Talk? Um, I um, I haven't seen a heap of who's been on here, um, but there'd be a few people I'd like to see um, for different reasons. I don't know if um, old Rexy Hawkins been on. Um, no, no, not like, yet. He, like he's pretty cool. He's, he's old school. Like he's the one that's opened the gate onto us to go trialing. You know, you got to do this, you got to do that. And like we love on him and Kay, um, that, that's where our trialing sort of started. Um, I'd like to see them, but I um, spent a bit of time up bush with a few fellas and, you know, they're good dog people and their dogs do their job. Um, a fella called Jason Taylor, he's a big skinny, big fella and uh, loves beer and loves talking about a dog and just, you know, something a bit different. Um, and... There's um, Sam Gates and his father there at um, Armadale. Like, you know, they're a prime example of work dudes that can trial, you know, um, and they, they, their job is they're pastoralists. Like, they're raising livestock is what they do. So they've got dogs that can work the cattle and do the whole lot of it. But still, if they wanted, they can go have a bit of... Um, um, bit of a run and trialing, you know, and, and they breed bulls and rams, so they're really into their genetics and all that sort of thing. So, you know, I reckon it'd be cool to get them on to um, see what they had to say because, yeah, what Sam didn't know, it'd make up anyway. <laughs> no, beautiful. We'll pursue some of those. But I just wanted to touch because you mentioned uh, Rex and Kay there. I'd be rude of me to assume but I believe they had an anniversary yesterday and I'm assuming it was a long one. So I just want to say um, happy anniversary to you guys if uh, you did happen to listen to this. So um, I'm assuming it's uh, maybe a, a fairly uh, long anniversary. So congratulations. Yeah, yeah and look after uh, Brexy. <laughs> <laughs> she's, a, she's a Queensland chick, so we've got a bit in common, me and Kay. <laughs> yeah. 
and they really helped us when we first started trialing actually and they um very inspiring how they really help and encourage mm. the encourage handlers yeah um yeah such beautiful people that take their own time out to help others so they're very special to us yeah yeah when we we started there was like um sa club was thriving there was people everywhere and um yeah like it was, it was a happening thing yeah they've done a lot yeah. done a lot for trialing in sa how important was having someone in your corner there really encouraging you like if, if you didn't have as someone in your corner like that do you think you would have kept continued trialing Oh, we didn't have a yeah. uh, we didn't have a clue. I remember um, we went out to Rex, so they invited us out on the on a Sunday to go and show us the ropes, along with other encouraged handlers that had nominated for Lucendale. And we went out there, and I remember Rex saying, "Well, your dog can't come between you and the gate, and it can't do this." And we're like, "What? Like <laughs> your dog can't cross you, and your dog can't? Are you serious?" And we're so worried. And you got to clear this gate before you do that. And we were so like spun out by all these things that you had to do that we had no idea and no. um, if we hadn't had that i could imagine our first you know trial experience probably wouldn't have been yeah. as much fun as it was uh, and at the time we had cattle dogs from queensland that were just trained to back some sheep and you know we had to have a real good handbrake on them otherwise they'd be ripping their nostrils off mm. so um it was pretty daunting anyway yeah. so we were very lucky and fortunate to have them um, help and guide us. Yeah, and mentors. And, and, you know, that's the part that we want to give back um, with helping people coming in because we're pretty new into it. Um, and we, you know, we know that transition, and especially for the bush people to go there, like not knowing no one's going to judge a dog. It's a it's confronting time. So having them to help us in the way, yeah. yeah. So we want to return the favour, really. Beautiful. That, that's yeah. awesome. Um, was there a question tonight that um, that you guys picked and they will win a bag of Enduro high you food for working dogs with real kangaroo meat? Um, I think the – was it the question about us working together? Yeah, that was oh, – not that one. <laughs> that was going to remind one. me just how good that question was. <laughs> Mango, Mark Mango, congratulations! Yeah, bag of food coming your way. I'll have a message from him in the next thirty-two seconds, anyways. So make sure you get it to me. He was telling, oh, wow. commented before that he um, identifies as a female, so he wants to come. Uh -huh. to oh, that's right. He's going to come. He did say that, but he did say um, he was going to change that quick, quick, so he didn't have to do any washing or cooking or cleaning. <laughs> Um, you know, and, you know, Enduro, um, yeah, like we love the product and fortunate enough to have Paul in our corner helping us along, feed a few hounds. Um, you know, being a part of a little Aussie con like company, um, that, the you know, the product was there but just wasn't out um, as it is now. So being a part of that ride and having that support, you know, um, it's been, been terrific, you know, and seeing it grow now to where they can't keep up with orders, um, yeah, is, you know, makes you feel a bit warm, you know, so, yeah, we love the product, so if, if they haven't tried it, try it. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Love it. 
One last question as always. I was say, Laura, are you going to let it get away that easy? Or? <laughs> Would you rather fight one duck the size of a horse or 20 horses the size of ducks? Well, I'd go for the horses because there's plenty of them and I'd be able to deal with them somehow. <laughs> How about you, Sarah? I totally did not understand that. <laughs> one duck the size of a horse. Right, eh? 20 horses the size of ducks. 20 horses the size of ducks. Why? Take them. Why, why we take them on? Yeah. You get the kids. Like, well, they're smaller. I'd be able to break them in. I'd be able to break a few people watching it, dung them out in the front yard. I think a duck the size of a horse might be quite scary. Yeah. So definitely, yeah, 20 horse. And I like horses too. Oh, well, there you go. I'm oh, yeah. just imagining some like uh, Happy Gilmore with... thing where everyone's yeah, just going around on horses on the stick. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, thank you very much for your time tonight. Really appreciate it. Um, they had a couple of young ones there as well. So really appreciate you putting some time aside for us. Well, thank you, you very it. much for having us. Um, thank I know you it's, been a, it's, it's taken been a, a bit of a wild corner in this, but, um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it's been a bit of fun. But absolutely. And uh, Sorry? Yeah, no, it's been a bit of fun, and, yeah, good luck with it all. Um, yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you. And to everyone that uh, tuned in tonight, thank you. And everyone listening back, I hope you enjoy it. And please remember, we learn every day. And the day we stop learning is a sad one for all of us. Good night. Dang on, brother. <laughs>